notes we missed last week of the message two weeks ago. One, because some of you weren't here for it, and two, it sets up today's message, okay? So I just want to do a quick review, so just try to hang out, hang, uh, keep up with me. Last week's, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about meeting our deepest need. Today, we're going to be talking about expressing our needs. So last week, or two weeks ago, we, we read from Matthew 18. Very interesting, since we read this, since we read this, it almost seems like everything that I hear and see goes back to this verse. Even the pastor that failed. Think about this. Whoever causes one of the little ones who believe in me to sin, whoever brings offense, whoever causes that, it'd be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the deepest of the ocean. So this guy, he's got a lot of stuff to work out with God, doesn't he? Let's be honest. He does. Because he was a pastor and set up front and chose that, and he, and he influenced so many lives, he's got a lot of work to do with the Spirit. Right? So let's pray for him to do that work. Woe to the world because of offenses. What does the next thing say? For offenses must come. You will be offended at some point. You just hang out with Alan or I long enough, we will offend you eventually. Right? Right, Dusty? Don't answer that. You shook your head yes. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Jesus knew that sin and offense and hurt and pain in relationship in relationships could cause someone to stop trusting. Is that right? We've all probably experienced this. And then we moved on to another passage in Isaiah. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. We just sang it. For the Lord is good. Regardless of what's going on in, in your life or on planet earth, the Lord is good and he can be trusted. Always. And we said two weeks ago, we have to settle that matter first. That no matter what happens to you on planet earth, I, you will never lose your trust in God. You have to settle that because trust is not just something that's earned. It's also something that's given. Because we can hold back our trust on people and God, right? It's our decision. But God never fails me. Other people do and will, but I won't take that out on God. Some of the posts that I saw over this pastor failing was the world jumping on a church Facebook page just to say, see, told you. Christianity's false and God is not real. It's all just religion and religion doesn't work, which is actually a true statement, by the way. It doesn't work. But see, this sin gave the world another reason not to go to church and have a relationship with God. You see why us living holy and lives that bring glory to God is so important? Because the world's just looking for excuses to not come and not come to Jesus and believe in him. And we can't give them any more reasons to, to not believe, okay? You see how huge that is? It's not that we're going to be perfect. Holiness is not human perfection. We're going to fail. We're not preaching that. But holiness is striving for perfection. Holiness is perfection, by the way. But we may never reach it on planet Earth as humans. But we are striving for it. If other people fail me, and they will, 
I will not take that out on God. I will always believe in him. He will always be trusted, and I will always put my trust in him. Right? Remember this from Psalm 146. Do not put your trust in human beings. <laughs> God's so cool that he covers everything. Do not put your trust in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those who help is, is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. What a powerful verse. We said that apparently Jesus thinks that it's a big deal to protect the trust of the vulnerable, the child or young believers. And for good reason, because we said when someone breaks your trust at an early age, you are likely to struggle for the rest of your life with trust. The point of that message two weeks ago was from the moment we enter the world, our deepest need is to love and be loved. And here's the thing. We actually have a deep need for lasting relationship bonds. We do with other human beings. So that means we have to heal from our trust issues. We can't use them and just carry them in our baggage all the time. We have to heal from them and fast because we were not created for isolation but for human contact and relationships. And we ended by talking about how to meet our deepest need, to be loved and to love, to be loved and to love and to have long-lasting bonds. And we talked about in order to do that, you have to complete the trust cycle, okay? And Danny gave us the trust cycle in his book, and here it is again before we go into this message today. A trust cycle is completed when you, have, well, number one, have a need. Number two, you express the need, right? Then there's a response to the need. That's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. And then the need is satisfied, and then you experience comfort. And in a relationship, that trust cycle has to happen all the time. We have to learn to complete this all the time because the problem is that trust cycle can be broken at any point in that, in that process. What if you never express your need? How is your spouse ever going to meet it if you don't ever express it? How is your friend ever going to love you properly if you don't share with them how to love you properly? Right? And then what if you express it and they don't respond? They think you're stupid. Or they respond in an incorrect way and they try to meet your love language and they don't even know what it is. And so they're doing something that they think they're making you feel loved when all along you don't feel loved at all. Long walks just don't do it for you. You like to get things. <laughs> Presents. And the reason that you must deal with your trust issues, we said, is that people who are unable, listen, people who are unable to trust others and unable to form strong relational connections are cut off from love, are cut off from love. They don't get love. They don't receive love. They don't put, put it out because they're just so, they don't trust anybody. And what they do is they become survivors. Remember, we're not ever, we're not supposed to just thrive, survive. We're supposed to thrive. I think Alan brought that out a little bit last week. He un, accidentally but here's what survivors manifest, and I hope you don't want to be this, but this is what survivors manifest. They don't expect to be loved. They don't believe they're worthy enough of love. They don't expect relationships to last. They don't have emo the emotional resources to meet anyone else's needs. And when you're a survivor, you know what this describes? An orphan spirit, an orphan mindset. Nobody loves me. I'm unworthy of love. 
I don't expect any of my relationships to last. In fact, when they really start to get intimate, I sabotage them. I end them because I don't feel worthy of their love. And I don't have, I, I'm, so busy, I'm so busy having a pity party 24 hours a day, I don't have the resources to, uh, the emotional resources to meet anyone's needs. I mean, what about my needs? That's what an orphan mindset screams. What about me? This is why we have to deal with our trust issues, because this life isn't just about you. There's a lot more people involved, or supposed to be, correct? That's where I want to pick up today. I want you to remember that we are in a communication part, the communication part of this series, Keep Your Love On. We are learning how to communicate better in our relationships and communities. The first part was connection. Now we're talking about communicate, communication. I'm not going to say it, Alan, so don't worry. I stopped speaking Spanish from the pulpit. Today's focus is learning to express your needs because... Expressing our needs is crucial for building and keeping healthy connections in our relationships. Expressing your needs is crucial for you to have a healthy connection in your relationships. In fact, you can't have one without the other. If you don't have healthy communication, you won't have healthy connection. Okay, let me repeat that. If you don't have healthy communication, you won't have healthy connection. And guess what? Expressing your needs is where the trust cycle begins. Remember? Number two, it's number two. Number one is you have a need. Number two, the need is expressed. Here's my point in your notes, if you're following along and filling in the blanks in your notes. You simply cannot build a strong bond of trust without being able to communicate and meet one another's needs. Can't. Can't have one without the other. You can't build a strong bond of trust without being able to communicate and meet one another's needs. What's, what's the saying? It's the quiet ones you have to watch out for. It's the idea that the people who don't speak up must be hiding something, right? I also believe that sometimes people don't speak up because they don't feel safe enough to share their needs with you. You don't make them feel safe by how you respond to them when they do share their needs. You either overreact or you put them down or you laugh at them or you make them feel guilty or you make them feel stupid or you make them feel wrong all the time. Listen closely to this. For just expressing the way they're feeling. In your notes, I've also told you time and time again in so many words, feelings are not facts. They're just feelings. Nothing more than feelings. I know you're getting sick of that, but it just, it fit. Feelings are not facts. In other words, I, I don't believe that we're supposed to believe everything we feel. Right? Sometimes I feel hopeless, but am I? According to God's word? Nope. A lot of times I feel unequipped or unworthy to do something for God. But am I? According to his word? No. In your notes. But our feelings and emotions are powerful, aren't they? They are powerful. They actually drive our motivations. They motivate us. 
They are why we continue on with life even in the midst of disaster and tragedy. But we don't allow them to control us. They cannot be out of control either. A lot of us have a lot of regret because of some out of control emotions at one point or another. We were a hot mess and we said things that we did not mean. Because we just wanted to win the argument. Or to get even. <laughs> Married couples, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Guilty. Guilty. Got to have that last word. Got to feel like I won. And if she brings up 1968, I'm just going to bring up 1995. Because <laughs> what she did to me 20 years later was way worse than what I did to her early on. And then if she comes back with something else, I'm just going to throw what they, this is the saying in the professional world. I'm going to throw the whole kitchen sink in. I'm going to win this. Where's, where's the love? And two minutes later, what are we saying? I was just kidding. I love you. For the sake of an argument. So our feelings are real. They're powerful. God gave them to you. You're to have them. They drive your motivations. We just need to manage them in a healthy way. Right? Recognize your feelings for what they are. Feelings, not facts. They're not the truth. They're not a commandment. But when it comes to relationships in your notes, when it comes to relationships, communicating your feelings can help to get to the root of what's really going on in your heart. Communicating your feelings can help all of us get to the root of what's really going on in your heart. Right? What did we share a couple weeks ago? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. This is a very interesting passage. I love it. Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's black Bibles underneath the chair in front of you. It's page 1158. 1158. Philippians chapter 4. Remember I started this whole series by saying that our relationship with God, our relationship with God is a reflection of our human relationships. Remember I said that? I want you to let this sink in before Richard brings this up. Our relationship with God is a reflection of how we are to have a relationship with each other. Philippians 4, starting with verse 6. You're going to love this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. What does it say? Let your request be made known, which means I have to speak. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving all require you to speak. <laughs> and if you can't escape it with God, you can't escape it with me. Feelings. I want to know your feelings. What are your needs? God says, I want them to be made known to me. Let your requests be made known to God. Why? So that he can help you. Well, doesn't God already know what I'm feeling? Why do I have to tell him? Ding, ding, ding. Because he wants to have a relationship with you. And you can only have a healthy relationship with him if you are communicating with him. Communication is a two-way street. We shouldn't expect anything in our marriage that we don't have with God. Okay? And here's why God really wants to connect with you in verse 7. And the peace of God. Think about this. 
You can, I don't know how people just read past this in their devotions just so they can put a check mark in the book. And the peace of God, which surpasses all your human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, but I don't know how you just read past and move on with when you read stuff like this. I want you to think about this for a moment. You, little old you, I mean, you're, you're pretty amazing. I don't mean that in a, a, a demeaning way. But compared to God, little old you and little old me can have, can have the peace of God. Does that blow your mind or what? As our world goes through another tumultuous time, you know that we're not experiencing anything new right now, right? It's a cycle of human history we go through every now and then. What we're experiencing now with just all the sin that's happening and the no standards and no morals and homosexuality and suicide, this is not new. It's just another cycle of human history. Just like everybody's freaking out over the climate. The climate's just going through another cycle. Should we take care of our planet? I'm all for that. We, we recycle our bottles here and everything. We do what we can to take care of because that's a command from God. But to be freaking out that our world is ending because we're just going through another warm cycle. We're not supposed to panic. It says be anxious for nothing. If you're worried about your climate, take that need or your request to God. Let him know about it. We can have the peace of God. Is it bad right now? Yes. But do you think that God is riddled with anxiety about our situation down here? Not at all. Listen, if you communicate your needs to him, his peace will be your peace. That's amazing to me. I need that. I don't have that yet. I, ask my wife. I need that. If you communicate your needs to him, his peace will be your peace. And here's the deal. Even if you don't get what you're asking for, you're still going to get his peace. Well, I really want that car, Lord. And Pastor Mark told me if I brought my need to you that you would give it to me. That's not what I'm preaching. You don't always get what you want. You don't always get what you want. Right? There's some truth. They didn't know they were quoting the Bible, but, but sometimes you get what you need. If you communicate your needs to him, his peace will be your peace. If you pray, which is communication. If you supplicate, which is communicate. Supplication is the asking or begging for something with a humble spirit. And if you give thanks to him, which by the way is communication. Give thanks to him during your situation. And sometimes give thanks to him for your situation. Instead of being anxious about it. You won't be riddled with fear. You'll be riddled with peace. Isn't that amazing? Hear me out. It didn't say that you will get an answer right away. It didn't say that you'll get what you want. It didn't say that it will end as soon as you pray. It didn't say that it won't be hard or confusing while you go through it. What it said was you will receive the same peace about your situation. Think about this. You will receive the same peace about your situation that God has as he manages the whole universe. He's managing everything from up there, and all we have to do is manage our life. 
And he's saying, I want you to have the same peace that I have when I put all the stars in place and I hold them there and I keep the earth spinning just at the right tilt and the right speed so that you don't die. I'm managing that. And what I'm saying is you can have the same peace. Makes your worries and your concerns a little bit ridiculous, doesn't it? He manages the universe and all of its galaxies and your life and my life and our government and China and Russia and every living creature in the sea, on land, and in the air. Every molecule in your Bible body, he's managing. And every molecule and every star in the sky, he is managing. And he's saying, you can have that peace that I have as I manage the universe. Are you hearing me that this morning? You hearing that? Anxiousness, worry, and fear are not of God. And we struggle with these strongholds because we refuse to truly give them to and trust in the God of peace, period. That's your issue. And we have a tissue for it. Katie taught me that. I have a tissue for your issue. If you struggle with those, you you need to get victory over them. Because God has already promised you the peace that passes all understanding. Crazy. The Bible's so awesome. God is so good. 2 Corinthians 10.5 from the King James Version reminds us to make sure that we are casting down imaginations. A lot of your problem is what's running through your head. The negative thoughts about people and the church and your family. Cast down those imaginations. If they're not truth, if the church didn't say it, if they didn't do it, then get rid of it. Because it's not true. It's just what you think is going on. Cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Our feelings and emotions are powerful, but feelings are not facts. And when it comes to community and relationships in your notes... If you cannot communicate your needs to another person clearly, everybody say clearly. Clearly. Come on. Let's start being honest. Because what do we say when somebody says something when we walk in on Sunday morning? How are you doing? What do we say? I'm doing fine. When you're not, you're falling apart. And we are your family and your community. You should be able to be honest and vulnerable with us. It's okay that you're not doing fine. I have those days. You have those days. Can we stop sinning by lying? It's a sin to lie. Did we forget that? It's okay that you're struggling. It's okay to be mad at us as a church. It's okay to be mad at a pastor in a church. As long as the church and the pastor are humble, they will work through it with you. But you have to express yourself clearly to them. You hurt me when you did this. I can handle that because I know I will hurt you at some point. But if you don't express it to me and you leave and you badmouth all of us, you're the one in sin, not us. The Christians need to hear this. We're not the ones in sin because we're not even aware we offended you. We're clueless. You're the one that's going to get up there. You're going to go, did you see what they did to me? Jesus is going to go, can we just focus on you for a minute? You know, Amy, isn't this one of the hardest parts of counseling when one person just wants to focus on the other person and you have to go, wait, 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 before we get to Jim Bob, let's talk about Susie Q. I've had so many Susie Qs leave 
counseling and never come back because we wanted to focus on both people, not just one. Yep. Tell them up front. We're going we're gonna to talk about both of you. I know you think he's the problem, but we're going to talk about both of you just to try to get to the root of it. If you cannot communicate your needs to another person clearly, it is going to be very difficult for that person to actually meet your needs. All right? It's not a big wow statement, <laughs> but we don't do it. We lie. The reality is that some of us have learned how to express our thoughts, feelings, and needs incorrectly in a controlling way, in an abusive way. And then we wonder why our relationships are all chaotic and destructive because our communication skills are really bad. And yet some of us have never learned how to express our thoughts and feelings and needs. And that's what today is about. We're going to give you some real practical, professional advice that you can use at home. We never learned how to express our thoughts, feelings, and needs, and now we expect our relationships to function without communication. And we wonder why our relationships are dead and empty and unfulfilling and boring because there's no talk going on. Can I just get real with you? You, you young people, close your ears for a minute. In the name of Jesus, close their ears. This is one of the biggest issues in the bedroom of married people. They don't ever talk about their sex life. There's no communication. Honey, what do you need? I'm good. Lie. And so they're getting bored. The relationship's starting to dry up and go dead. And they go look for someone else. And the same thing's going to happen in the next relationship because they, they're still not going to express their needs in that relationship. It's just going to be new, fun, and exciting for a while. Because the grass always looks greener on the other side. And then they find out that that person's crazier than the first person. And they're like, what did I do? I just lost my whole family because I thought she was the one. She loved me. We have to start communicating with one another. Listen, talking about your sex life privately as a couple, not at work, it can be a fun adventure. It's the way God created it for. Just saying. It's not a sex sermon, but I'm just saying. It's one of the biggest uses we're seeing in marriages. Well, she never meets my needs. Have you, have you clarified it and communicated it with her? Yeah, she doesn't listen. Okay, then we'll talk about that. But for most people, no, no, she wouldn't do it anyways, or he wouldn't do it anyways, or, well, then what do you want me to do? <laughs> what do you want me to do if you're not communicating with one another? I don't have a magic wand in my drawer. I can't just go, communication, perfect communication, perfect sex life. I can't do that. I'm not that good. I'm not Harry Potter. I don't even know what he does because I've never watched him, but I know there's a wand involved. Sorry, you Harry Potter fans. I just offended you. See, I told you I would. Here's the crazy part of this. I'm just going to let you in the mind of a pastor again and a, just a person. But this isn't because I'm married to someone. So don't take this out on my wife. This is because I'm a pastor, okay? Some people just think and believe that the pastor should be spiritual enough to read their minds and know exactly what they're feeling all the time. And I'm here to tell you, my wife will back me up. I'm just not that good, Okay? <laughs> If I can't figure out the mind of a woman, I'm not going to figure you out, okay? So it's just not going to happen. 
Listen, think about this. If the God of the universe requires you to make your needs known to him, then why would you expect little old me just to know them without any communication from you? Right? In your notes. People who do not use the art of communication expect others to have a telepathic ability to know their feelings and needs. And I call it an art of communication on purpose. It's what Danny said. It's what we taught in our healthy communication, healthy relationship classes. It is an art. It's going to take some work on your part. And, you, and if you aren't communicating well, you should get counseling and you should learn to communicate well. People who do not use the art of communication expect others to just know what they're feeling without saying anything. <laughs> it's really interesting. Well, if you loved me, then you would just know what I need. What? My love is based on reading your mind? I wish you would have told me that before we said the vows. Whoa, I can't. That's just too much. I can't carry that weight. Whenever I try to guess Angel's feelings, guess what? I'm wrong. So I'd rather her just tell me. Let's not play this mind game in our marriage. Let's not play mind games in church. Let's not play mind games with the leadership of church. Just express yourself. Didn't you notice that that bothered me? Nope, I was watching TV. Didn't see any body language at all. I was kind of, my fault. I should have been looking at you, but I, I did not notice. Haven't you been paying attention? You know, this is what we say. I can't believe you didn't know that about me. Well, if you had just what had told me, Right? Do you know where that unrealistic expectation comes from? Fear and powerlessness. Remember the sermon on powerful people and power, powerless people? They think that everything will just turn out magically without having to communicate. And it just doesn't work that way. Powerless people want everything without effort. They want to win the lottery. They want to get their dream guy or girl without any effort. They want to lose weight without exercise. And they want to get their needs met without ever having to say a word. Sorry to all of you powerless people, but it just doesn't work that way. As we said two weeks ago, the reason that we can't get our needs met without expressing them is that we were designed to have our needs met through a relational exchange. A trust cycle with another human being or with God himself, right? Let me share some quotes with you from Danny. This is pretty good. God made us this way. This is how he meets our needs. Think about it. God, the one person in the universe who knows all things and knows us incomparably better than we know ourselves, never says, well, obviously I know your needs, so you don't need to tell me about them. He never says that. Instead, he repeatedly all throughout the word of God tells us to ask him for what we need. He wants to hear your voice. He loves you and wants a relationship with you. And he gives us some of the most profound, beautiful, and honest language for doing so, like the Lord's Prayer and most of the Psalms. He won't meet our needs outside of a connection. He won't meet our needs outside of a connection where we have to show up and crack open our hearts to him. Because that very connection is what we need 
to have our needs met in the first place. Okay? And if we are to mirror our earthly relationships with our heavenly one, then it makes sense that this is how he designed us to relate to one another. We must show up and crack our hearts open to one another. In a respectful relationship, each person understands three things. They're not going to be on the screen, so listen. In a respectful relationship, each person understands three things. Number one, I am responsible to know what is going on inside of me and then communicate that with you. Number two, I don't expect you to read my mind. I don't expect you to know it. Nor will I allow you, nor will I allow you to assume you know what's going on without me communicating. In other words, don't tell me how I'm feeling. Let me tell you how I'm feeling. (laughs) You control freaks have a problem with this. Well, I'll tell you exactly how you're feeling. I'll tell you exactly how you're feeling. No, no, you won't. No, you won't. I'll tell you how I'm feeling. So that way you can stop guessing and stop being this controlling, manipulative person. Number three, I will not make assumptions about what is going on inside of you. Don't do it with me, and I won't do it with you. That's a respectful relationship. In your notes. One of the quickest ways that you can damage a relationship is trying to guess what the other person is thinking, feeling, or needing. This is one of the problems with our cell phones. If, you, if I don't respond to you within 30 seconds of you sending a, a, a text, this is what you're doing. Well, he must be mad at me. I know he's busy, but he always responds quickly. He must hate me. I might as well just go find another church. This is the problem with our cell phones now, with this this 24-hour communication thing. Some of us avoid our responsibility for talking about what is going on inside of us, and we think that it is our responsibility to tell people what's going on inside of them. For example, let me tell you about you. This is what you are thinking or feeling. This is what you need. These are your motives. Danny actually said in the book that this is actually disrespectful. It's actually disrespectful for you not to share your heart truthfully with someone that you're in a relationship with. That includes family and friends. And most of us nowadays, like I said earlier, we're not truthful. We lie to the ones we say we love all the time. So some of us are communicating, but we're not communicating truthfully. And you know where that stems from? Fear. What if I actually told him what I would like to do in the bedroom? What if I actually told him? And I'm afraid of his response. It's fear-based, so we don't say anything. And we expect them just to read our minds. It stems from fear. And fear today is damaging most relationships. Danny said this. If you want to protect your connection and build trust by always communicating respectfully, then your guiding rule must be this. It's my job to tell you about me and your job to tell me about you. That's your golden rule. It's my job to tell you about me and your job to tell me about you. I want to close this out with some very practical ways. That means we have another couple minutes, okay? That's just a free Methodist way of saying, you got another 20 minutes or so. I want to close this part out with some very practical ways. There's no scripture verses. This is actually, this is, all of these sermons feel like a counseling session. Well, this is getting into the more the professional end of this, okay? 
very practical ways to help you communicate in a healthy way in all of your relationships. This is just one piece. There's lots that go on with, it's an art. So this is just one tool that may help you. This is like a, uh, another counseling session with Danny, right? In your notes. The best tool for you telling another person about you is the I message. The I message. Notice you is not in there. It's I. The basic structure for this communication style is I feel, not I think. It's I feel, not I think. The I message is designed to let other people know what is happening inside of you. Not for you to let them know what you think about them. Like, you know, I, 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 I think you're a jerk. Right? This is the stuff we say. By the way, what we're about to go over, and if we go into it on a Sunday night, because we're thinking about doing like a, uh, by the way, Amy, I'm just forewarning you. Some people have asked for like a communication class at just one Sunday. So I'm thinking we may present our healthy relationship stuff and then let Amy and Josh help as well. Um, so uh, what was I going to say? I think that you're a jerk. Why did that? What did that remind me of? I don't know. We'll just go on. I think that you're a jerk for what you did. Okay, so that, it just, oh, I know what I was going to say. So this just, isn't an I think statement, doesn't that just escalate an argument? This is why the cops are called. Because of what I think. Not what I feel, what I think. Okay? And it's very uncomfortable because nobody communicates in a proper way anymore. We don't actually use I messages. We don't use what we, tr what we taught as an XYZ statement. And I'll teach you that in a minute. When you express an I message, you make sure that you are expressing a feeling, not an opinion. For example, I felt unloved this morning when you left for work without saying goodbye. That has nothing to do with my marriage, by the way. That's a true statement. I walk out all the time without saying goodbye, giving her a kiss, and she calls me back. And I drive back to the house. <laughs> Instead of I think or I feel like, well, I think you're a jerk for not saying goodbye to this morning. Why don't you just express yourself? <laughs> That's just an opinion and a judgment, not a feeling. Nothing guarantees a fight or an argument like a judgment statement. And if we're listening carefully to people, if, if they're making a judgment statement towards us like, I feel like you are, what they're actually communicating to us is that they don't trust us. I'm too scared to tell you what I'm really feeling, so I'm just going to throw stones at you. So when somebody does that, when somebody says, I... You're, you're a jerk for not saying goodbye to me this morning. You know, when they say that, I say, honey, what's really going on? Tell me what you're really feeling. I, I, maybe I'm a jerk, maybe not. I, I'll take that. I'll own that. But that's not what, what is really going on. What is really going on? What did you really feel this morning? Instead of focusing on me, well, let's focus on you. What are you really feeling? What, you made me feel like you don't love me. Okay, that's a problem. Now I know I need some work to do. To make you feel loved better when I leave the house. Right? You see what we're saying? Nothing guarantees a fight or an argument like a judgment statement. 
So here's the equation. It's very simple. You communicate these three things when you, when you want to talk to your partner about something that upset you, okay? What happened, when it happened, and how it made you feel. How, how many times have you heard somebody say, name a time and a place, and you just freeze and go, I can't think of that. I just know that you hurt me, and I can't really think of an exact time or place. But actually, it's very important to, to name what they did, when they did it, and how it made you feel. Do you know what that does? It keeps your opinion about what, who they are out of it, and it stops an argument. How, how, do you, how, how do you, here's what you do in your notes as well. You connect a feeling, no, go back, Richard. You connect a feeling with an event. Now, I want you to think about how this disarms people. When you forgot to take out the trash this morning, it made me feel unappreciated. Now, I don't, I don't have a comeback for that. I mean, I could make up something. I could say, well, yeah, well, you're a jerk, you know? <laughs> or what about what you did to me in 1972, you know? But th this is a very vulnerable, honest, truthful statement that I don't think most people would be able to just call you a jerk about. And they'd have to say, I'm sorry. I, I won't forget again, or I'll try not to, okay? I think it just disarms people. If you were to say, you're such a jerk, because here's two words that we're also taught, and Amy will probably back this up, that you're never supposed to use is always and never. You never take the trash out when I ask you to. You are always making me feel unappreciated. Is that, listen, I'm not good enough to never do something all the time, and I'm not good enough to always do something all the time. So those are unrealistic words. I forgot this morning, babe. I didn't forget the other 15 years of marriage. I forgot this morning. And you just said, I always do, and that's why I'm a jerk. You, you always, you never love me, really. What about that $1,000 bracelet? Now, this did not happen in my marriage. What about that $1,000? <laughs> what about that $1,000 bracelet on your wrist that I bought you on a, just a normal, random day? Really? I come home every night. And I sit down and have supper with you, and I help you with dishes, and we watch movies together. Really? Because I forgot the trash now? I don't love you ever? Never? Never and always. You don't ever want to use those words. They're too, they're, they're too unrealistic. No one's that good to live up to those words. Danny gives us some advice if we are the ones listening to someone share their feelings. So if you're on the other end and someone's sharing their feelings, if you're receipt, on the receiving end of an iMessage, Number one, are you going to honor the vulnerability that they just offered and value their needs and figure out how you can meet it? Are you going to honor their vulnerability or make them feel stupid? Are you going to laugh at them? Are you going to value their need and realize it's a real need that they have and then figure out how you can meet it? And number two, are you going to be powerful enough to adjust yourself in order to move toward the person and protect your connection and trust? What are you going to do? Because they just pointed out something you did wrong. What are you going to do to adjust to keep the connection strong? Right? In other words, when confronted by someone about something you did to hurt their feelings, and they express that to you, how will you respond? If we're self-centered, if we're stubborn, if we're full of pride, if we're fearful, if we're not vulnerable, you know what we're going to do? We are going to attack. And then that person will never share their feelings with us again. Ever. This is what it means. They started 
the trust cycle. It's our responsibility to complete the trust cycle. How will we respond, right? Because number three is there's a response to the need. And that response determines whether or not trust is kept in the relationship. Okay? Are you getting this? How many of you, without raising your hands, Keith, because the last time I said that, you raised your hand anyways, which you can if you want, okay? You're just a very honest, truthful person. But how many of you, without raising your hand, when someone was sharing a need that they have with you, you either thought or said, well, I have needs too. Oops. Oh, sorry. I've never done that. Can I just be frank with you and myself? That's a very selfish response. Because at that moment, we're not talking about you. And think about how vulnerable they were just they were they they just were with you. It probably took a lot for them to share that thing. And when you flip the spotlight onto you and never address what you could do to make the relationship better, there's going to be an ongoing issue in this relationship that will never be resolved. And we stuff it, and we stuff it, and then eventually there's a separation. It's what the enemy uses for division. And here's the thing. You'll have your chance to share your needs. But in that moment, Focus on their need because they're the ones that spoke up. If you don't speak up about your needs, that's on you. But they just spoke up. So just focus on them and deal with that need. And come up with a strategy to meet that need. It can actually be a lot of fun if we allow it. It can actually be. And don't come up with false needs, by the way. Don't, don't play around with this. That's the mind game thing I was talking about earlier. Make sure it's a real need. Is this helping on anyone out there? Is this helping you? I know this isn't your typical sermon, but I actually think that these types of sermons need to, need to be preached more often. Practical ways that we should be treating each other. It's powerful, and it produces powerful people. And I don't want to be part of a church that's just full of drama and fighting and jealousy and lies and gossip. I want to be part of a church who knows how to love each other well so that we can love the world well. Right? Listen in your notes. A safe place for intimacy can only be created when two people can express their needs and consistently complete the trust cycle for one another. Right? Do you know that most people rush into physical relationships with someone just to find out later that there is no intimacy, no relationship, no respect, no friendship, no honor, no value? And research has proven that when you begin with sex... The relationship is doomed to fail. Not in all cases, but in most cases, the relationship is doomed to fail. Forget the Bible for a minute. I know you're surprised to hear me say that, but forget the Bible. Did you hear that? People have proven this. Research proves it over and over and over. When you begin with your triangle upside down, the friendship's on the bottom, the foundation of a relationship. Sex is the, one of the last things you really need, get to enjoy, and it's an awesome thing. But when you flip the triangle upside down, there's no foundation. Okay? Here's the problem in most of our relationships in your notes. Most of us are scared to death to be vulnerable in our relationships. And the reason is pretty simple. When we are vulnerable, 
We reach our greatest need. When we share a need, it, it's it's very vulnerable moment. We reach that. We actually express it. But at the same time, we're risking our greatest pain. You know what our greatest pain is? Rejection from human beings. So this is our biggest problem. Most of us are scared to death because we know we'll reach our greatest need if, if they respond well. But we also are risking our greatest pain. What if they don't? We are so scared of being rejected and hurt and offended by other human beings. We want to be vulnerable, but we allow fear to control us. And in turn, then we never really ever have any intimate relationships. And it's what you were created for. I say to you today, for the sake of experiencing intimacy with someone, it's worth the risk. It is. It's worth it to be honest and vulnerable. Most of us are avoiding risking our hearts because of all the pain that others have caused to us. Let me repeat that. Most of us are avoiding risking our hearts because of the pain that someone else did to us. And all the while, God said, trouble's coming and offense must come. Instead of allowing it to shut us down forever, we're supposed to learn from it and grow from it and move on, listen, with more wisdom into the next relationship. Let me repeat that. The trouble that we had with other relationships, is supposed to make us stronger and wiser for the next relationship. Those of you that have church wounds should be stronger and wiser for this church. Because you learned something from it. Thank you for listening to this message from Dubois Light and Life Church. We hope you're blessed by it. To hear more messages or get more information about Light and Life Church, please visit DuboisFMC.org or check us out on Facebook.